right, everybody. It's time. We've made you wait a little bit, but we are back with the Cranked and Ranked Iron Maiden Ranking Part 2. The conclusion. The top nine Iron Maiden albums. And, uh, yeah. We, we, we won't fuck around too much, but, but I don't know if you wanted to talk about it, but we, we ended up skipping a week of doing the podcast for a very important reason. Do you want to you want to shed some light on that? Well, you know, me and the boys in the band, Sage, uh, we, we have a song called Sick. If you type in Sage Sick on uh, any streaming platform, you will find a song. Uh, and it's got a very cool photo of myself and the other two guys uh, trying very hard to look like an Alice in Chains promo shot from 1992. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, we've been working on some stuff and we've played some gigs lately. Most notably, we played Tunes in the Dunes, which is uh, the UK's largest music festival on a beach in Perranporth. Uh, and then that Sunday, same weekend... Uh, we played a battle of the bands, and we only went and won it. So, and good things. Uh, well, we we won that heat. We've gone through to the final, but 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 what is the what is the end goal? What is the prize? You got to let everybody know what what's what you're winning if you actually win the whole thing. The end goal and the prize, as you say, is playing Bloodstock, which is you know. It's for, for all, all y'all out there, it's a pretty big metal festival huge, in the UK. Huge metal festival. So that would mm. be that would be amazing. It's already great that you guys won that first battle of the bands. How many? Is there just one more that you do? You know, all the finalists yeah. do each other, do each other. <laughs> <laughs> battle gangbang of the bands for Bloodstock. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think a few of them would be down with it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's why we skipped last week, but I think it worked out because it, 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 I, I guess it, it, it gave some build up to this episode for Iron Maiden, and uh, a lot of people listened to that and watched that uh, first episode, and we appreciate it. And if you're back, welcome back, and um, mm. another another you know big ass episode. We have more albums this time because last time it was the bottom eight. This is the top nine. And we've solidified that we both have the same top nine. Just we don't know how our orders are going to differ. And mm -hmm. clearly it's already going to differ from a lot of people from what I've found. Uh, because there's a couple albums on here that I really, really like that people just sort of write them off. Like, fuck no to this album. And I'm like, really? We'll get to that. But... See, um, uh the court of public opinion or whatever it's called. Well, what, what it's, it's weird, but we'll talk about it. But so, yeah, so we have the top nine Iron Maiden albums and we don't really need to, to do any more introductions because we already did an entire part one. This is part two. As you can see, I have four new albums behind me for my Iron Maiden selection this time. And nice. uh, don't let this fool you about how my ranking is going to go, but these are four of my favorite Iron Maiden albums. But, mm. um, that but that doesn't it's it's going to surprise you probably but anyway so let's 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 just fucking do it so we can if we go off on some tangents we'll have plenty of time doesn't fucking matter and yeah. uh and so yeah oh oh I'm old head and that's Eddie Sparks 
that's that's me. I'm, I'm the second guy. Yeah. So, and as usual, I, I let Eddie start us off. So we're in the top nine, and and, and to me, this is un, this is classic. It's the it's the love zone um, yeah. for me. So uh, let's let's get it started. What is your number nine Iron Maiden album? Well, you know, uh, kick, kicking off this list appropriately, I'm gonna go with my number nine is. The first album, Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. Um, and now I know it's kind kind of a hot take. Right? Just, but to, to some, maybe it's. But it to, is definitely not my number nine. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, you know, for for me, this is as bare bones as Maiden would would ever be. This mm-hmm. is the most stripped back. They did. They didn't have Martin Birch by this point either, did they? Like. It was no. a diff- different dude. Um, I don't think. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't remember who did it, but they weren't. I don't. I, I don't remember them being very happy with the sound, though. Yeah, and and you know, I can kind of tell why because the jump from Iron Maiden to Killers is such a jump sonically that mm-hmm. you know when I first started, you know, checking out Maiden, I came in on the Bruce stuff. So for me. It's kind of like how I got into Faith No More with the Patton stuff and went mm. backwards and got into Chuck's stuff yeah. later down the line. Same goes for Paul Diano because, don't get me wrong, like, Bruce's stuff is where I'm at. Mm. But I can't deny this era of Maiden is just really cool and raw and it's the only real, like set of albums i can envision like in a sweaty club somewhere yeah in you know the depths of of britain but yeah i mean prowler is a fantastic opener i love it that guitar solo is wild uh, remember tomorrow is a big old spooky one running free is a new wave of british heavy metal anthem absolute classic love the chorus on that uh phantom of the opera you got to be a tightly locked in band to pull this song off because it's really weird. Yeah. Like, what? Who would think to write that but Maiden, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Transylvania. Transylvania feels like a Thin Lizzy instrumental on steroids to me. Um, Strange World is this like ballady, dreamy one. Charlotte the Harlot is a cheeky track. It's about fucking uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden. Uh, it, you know, we close out on Iron Maiden yeah. from the album Iron Maiden by the band Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. Yep. Now, you know, despite its low placement for me, it's like it's a really good, strong early yeah. 80s new wave of British heavy metal album. But to me, it's a far cry from the sheer heights of epic that the band would reach as the 80s progressed. Yeah. I think um, the Diano era has kind of a vibe all its own in the catalogue. Yep. It's, it, it, like I said, it's the only couple, the only couplet of albums I can envision them playing in a small venue. Yeah, you know? the, it, it, you, you feel it too, those first two albums feel like they're supposed to be played in a club and then very quickly they make music that sounds like it's supposed to be played in an arena. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, and so it's appropriate, but yeah. And that's pretty much how it worked. I guess, you know, by the time of killers, they were playing, you know, theaters and stuff, but still smaller places. Yeah. Yeah. C- compared to, you know, the like life after death stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, holy shit, dude, this is a major, major turning point for heavy metal in the early eighties. Oh yeah. Know? Cause this like really kicks it off, you know, this and a, this and a couple other albums mm-hmm. from 1980 just really like flipped, you know, the kind of fuzz, fuzzy sort of heavy rock from the seventies into actual self-identifying as heavy metal vibe you know the whole over the top theatrics and whatnot i mean you had a little bit of that in the 70s but this is Uh where it came into its own but yeah like i was saying the debut my number nine iron maiden cool my very uh, nice we're, we're going to the complete other end of the of our nine albums for mine my number nine is fear of the dark from 1992 okay. and this is an interesting album just to hear other people talk about it because yeah. it's often just people will say that it's not that it's a bad album and i really think that 50 percent of that is just people going along with what they think they're supposed to say yeah, they've made up their mind about something, and they don't even really—they've maybe not really heard much of it. Heard the album yeah. maybe once, you know, didn't connect with them or whatever. I just all I know is that I listened to this album. There's a lot of really fucking great songs on it, and yeah. the only the only thing that I could that I can think is, and the reason why it's number nine out of these nines, out of these nine albums is just because. The songs, some songs seem kind of out of place. Like the, mm. uh, none of them are bad songs, but some of them sound like they were supposed to be on a different album. And some of them almost sound like 80s rock songs and not mm-hmm. Iron Maiden. And you and I have no problem with those kind of things. 80s rock oh, songs. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's really... Chains of misery. Yeah, so, like, it's, so it's like you have like, you know, be quick or be dead kind of stuff, you know, fear of the dark. But but so you do have these songs that to me seem much more like, oh, this, these are Iron Maiden songs. But there are other songs that honestly, like some, there are a few songs on this that they never, that's the only time they did songs like this. And that yeah. makes this a great album because they're also good songs. Now, are they like as great as some of their well-known or classic or earlier songs. Well, no, you know, I wouldn't even hold fear of the dark up with some of their earlier stuff, even though it is a really good song, but really throwing this album out and putting it last. It really makes me question that person's taste in music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. For sure. Cause it's re- Cause I'm like, because they, They've been phoning it in for 20 years, but you have a problem with Fear of the Dark because they did <laughs> some different sounding songs that are actually pretty damn good. I I, mm. I I don't get it, but I do. I do. And I say this a lot and I piss people off when I say it. But in the metal world, there is the music that you actually know and listen to. And then there's the music that you say you like or don't like because it gives you the persona that you want as a metalhead. 
And um, that street cred that happens a lot with hating things and with liking things, because, you know, it's like it's like that thing. Whenever somebody comes up to me and is like, my favorite band is Slayer. I'm like, no, it isn't. It isn't. It is not. (laughs) It is not your favorite band. You, You love Slayer. I love Slayer. When you go home that I guarantee you most of the time, those people are either not listening to Slayer or and this is no offense to to people who have other things in their life or they're people that go home and they don't even listen to music. They're hmm. they're they're binge watching TV shows all day and then they go my favorite band is Slayer and I and I look at them and I go motherfucker there are people right here that are doing all the fucking work that music is their fucking life. And so <laughs> maybe if you're one of those people just cool it with yeah. the, with the opinions because you know you're it's perfectly fine to take in music however you want to take in music and it doesn't fucking matter but there are people who uh i appreciate their input and then there are other people well i'm just like get get fucked you have no yeah you yeah. literally <laughs> you just you're you're bringing nothing to the table at all and that's a yeah. large majority of people that i fucking come in contact with but so that being said, Fear of the Dark to me is one of those albums that I it doesn't deserve the the hate that it gets or the mm. the being on the bottom of an Iron Maiden ranking at all. We're going to get to another album that's higher than this. It's also usually last place on people's lists, both of which mm. are fantastic albums, but it's just become it's become part of that you know I got to put on my uh, my battle vest with all my patches. This is the fear of the dark isn't very good. This is the Lars sucks as a drummer. This is the I love Slayer. It's just like all these things. It's like it's very like it's just like a metal costume, and um, yeah, not nothing nothing bad against the those of you who are like us that music you eat sleep and breathe and shit music and you still don't like fear of the dark. Cool, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. but I but I really don't think that that's a lot of people. I think a lot of people yeah. just don't give the album the attention it needs. Either rant present, over, either present credible data <laughs> to back up <laughs> your argument, or if you're just gonna say you know I don't like it, so it sucks, and it you should think it sucks too. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck out of here. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to censor anybody. Everybody has no, no, rights no, to say whatever they want to say. But um Yeah. Did there you can but tell. Say, you say can, something you, say something interesting or, if you're gonna if you're gonna lay into it, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, or, Make me know, laugh. I, <laughs> that too. You know? Anyway, I just I had I had <laughs> I have to I have to I have to stand up for a couple of these Iron Maiden albums because there are other albums that are overly hyped and I go, yeah. well, they don't, they don't need me. And I'm always the champion of the unfairly maligned album. And, um, absolutely. And I don't know why fear of the dark has become one of those. I don't know why it doesn't make any sense, but, but that being said, it's last on this first episode. It's number nine out of all these nine mm-hmm. albums. So clearly they did a lot better than this in my opinion, but yeah, I, I think it's a solid album and that's, that's, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Cool. Well, <laughs> spe- speaking of unfairly maligned albums, my number eight is 1990s No Prayer for the Dying. Not my number eight. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, for, for me, you know, 
to a lot of people, this is generally regarded as the moment Maiden kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Like, everybody's like, oh, they've... They set out to do a more stripped-back thing after they went really cerebral with Seventh Son. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, well, Adrian Smith isn't in the picture, uh, and the songwriting's kind of falling a little flat. Now, I will say, I don't think the material on here is as good as the stuff that came before it to my ears. I just mm. I don't find the songs as interesting as all the albums I have placed above it. Mm-hmm. However... I don't think that this belongs in the bottom slot by no, any means. No, like, absolutely not. It doesn't. You know, you know, it, you know. It, it's one of those things where I'm just going to bring up a thing that s- someone mentioned as as I was looking through. I, I like to you know scour the internet, see what the general consensus is, and then make my own mind up. Yeah. Um, and it you know presents me with some funny little anecdotes from time to time. Uh, and people were talking about like no prayer for the dying versus fear of the dark. Now people were saying um, fear of the dark has higher highs but lower lows, whereas no prayer for the dying is just kind of a mid tier kind of setup. And like, sure, like on the, on the heels of like the trio of Power Slave, um, somewhere in time, and Seventh Son. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, this definitely doesn't interest me nearly as much as like that. Holy shit, evolution. Sure. And to to me, it does feel a. You know how we talked about in the Megadeth ranking when, the, like, after Risk, it's the first time they take a step backwards and kind of retreat a little bit. Yeah. I kind of get that sort of vibe on No Prayer for the Dying, but you know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get into the songs. I mean, it's I mean, it's clearly a transitional album as well because you know, yeah, it, it, not having Adrian Smith is a a it's a that's a big loss for them. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, big time. Yeah, but yeah, uh, sorry, I was about to say Adrian Smith left for a bit, but then I realized I already said that. Um, Tail Gunner, good opener, kind of uh-huh. like a it's it's like a sister song to Aces High. Yeah. Um, Holy smoke, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said shit. <laughs> uh public anima number one mm-hmm. uh th- now like this the songs i have the, the the notes i have here for the songs i went into listening to this album thinking oh well i I've, I've heard i i hadn't listened to it in a long time mm-hmm. when i like loaded it up so i thought okay here we go no prayer for the dying everybody thinks this one's shit i could be in for a snore fest but then Public Anima number one strikes up, and I think this song kind of rocks. And then Fate's Warning comes on, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I like this one too. Yep. Uh, the Assassin, you know, you better watch out, cause I'm a wall. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, that's a really good song too. Um, run silent, run deep. See, here's the thing. I've got for a couple songs here. Run silent, run deep good maiden song no prayer for the dying is a good maiden song you know hooks in you is a hooky track <laughs> um bring your daughter to the slaughter is you know kind of silly track that divides opinion it, it's fun if you don't take it too seriously yeah because or- originally it was going to be a bruce solo track for a nightmare on elm street wasn't it i believe um, so yeah 
Yeah, but then the the band were like, oh, we like that one. Um, and then Mother Russia at the end, you know, has like a boss music feel to it at times. Uh, you know, <laughs> my little like my gamer input. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I I like that it's from the initial like first run with Bruce, but to to me, there's not a lot that stands out as um really really exciting you know on the heel of some albums that came before it yeah so like you know i would say there's no real horrendous lows but it's not particularly outstanding to me compared to other albums of this era yeah um but yeah that's uh that's my take on no prayer for the dying arguably the most unfairly maligned album in the catalog next to fear of the dark i would i I agree and that's not my number eight this is the portion where on my uh iron maiden ranking i did three years ago this is the portion where i had some people being assholes to me because because clearly i don't know what i'm talking about because i ranked the albums this way and yeah you've um, only heard all of them (laughs) <laughs> many many times and um and i got everything from you're not old enough you weren't there back in the day so you you're you you do not know what you're talking about and i'm like well i, I mean I, I was i wasn't listening to iron maiden at that point um hmm. but i was you know i was alive and listening to music but um but and then i got you know i also got like that you know you're you don't understand the songwriting or some i I got all all sorts of interesting things which is funny that's that's probably why it gets on my nerves because i feel i don't to be fair you have to have a pretty high iq to understand like yeah like that mindset yeah yeah and i just i hate the fact that sometimes i feel like i have to post a resume before every video and be like look here's what i've done with my life (laughs) Because yeah. people people will people comment like I'm just some dude that just made a, f- a first video, and I am just mm. I, I'm and I'm like no I'm very thoughtful in everything that I do, including this ranking, which is why number eight is Seven Son of a Seven Son from ah. 1988. Ah. Okay, great album. In fact, I'll go so far as to say nine and eight. There's a big gap for me there. I really like ah. Fear of a Dark. Seven Sun is a fucking great album, it, and I have no real gripes about it. Laying out these eight albums and thinking about where they're going to go, as I've been trying to do with a lot of our Crankton Ranks, is I tried to step back and I tried to like take my personal preferences and put them right here, and then take sort of a closer look at what the band actually accomplished and how they did things differently and put that here and then put them together and kind of figure out like some sort of ranking that like makes both parts of my brain happy and listening to the albums in order. I get to seven sun and I go, man, there's a lot of great songs on this, but really the only real progression from uh, somewhere in time is some longer songs and some keyboards. Like mm. they're still very well written songs, but if you really look at it, they're not breaking a lot of new ground with the s- songwriting on Seven Sun. Yeah, they're Whereas, kind of just like re- slight refinements here yeah, and there. So it's yeah. still 
equal. I mean, it's still really good, but I'm just starting to, th- I think to myself, like, did they give us anything different in, in what they gave us? Was I impressed by something about it? Cause it's, I can't just look at music like just songwriting or just technicality or just musicianship or just, you know, lyrical content or entire album package, all of these things. Um, All of those things, you know, are are important, but sometimes one thing will win out over another depending on a particular album. And for this one, it's like this incredible package of all this great shit that just feels not quite as good as the other, you know, seven albums that I'll talk about. Um, Mostly because of the half the tracks to me, there's a memorability issue where when they come on, I go, ah, but like, they're not songs that I go. I, I they're not go-to songs. Um, like seven son is an amazing song. And, um, mm-hmm. my only gripe about that song is that I said this on my old video that when they play it live, they play it too fast. And so Bruce, Bruce is all like, seven son, seven son, seven son, seven son. and I'm like, why, why yeah. slow it down, Nico? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you. That's one of those things where, like, you know, live. You want to keep the energy up, but you also you don't want to sacrifice the kind of groove if yeah. it relies on that. You know. Yeah, there are some songs that is perfectly fine playing them faster, but some songs are it's like made Kiss during the Animalize era, just like all the live <laughs> versions. Are sh- yeah, like cocaine speed. Yeah. So it's <laughs> but you really but I, I think some songs are in that. There's like. Some grooves, and and, the, and that does that song does have a groove, Seven Sun, mm. but and I think that it's in that sweet spot where it feels good, the the rhythm that it's at, and when it's if it's faster or slower, it loses something. Anyway, that's yeah. that has nothing to do with the album because that song is amazing, but it's like this is an absolute fucking classic, and it's only battling with other classic albums, and one album that I think is unfairly maligned, but I'll get to why I think it's a really great album. Um, so really, when I put this at number eight and I put it, you know, above albums that people think that it shouldn't be above or below. Yeah, that um, it it's it's not taking away anything from the fact that it's it's a fucking it's fucking seventh son of a seventh son. It is a classic. And yeah, um, so frustratingly yeah. close to being the seventh place <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it should, it should, uh, i should have been kinder and put it in the seventh place just to make just to to make everything work out nicely but no number uh, eight because it's from 1988 that works out and, um but no but, but no i i really like this album a lot but i i have to admit that all of the things in my brain that that make me make my decisions this one yeah. just sort of stays here because I'm like, it's fucking classic, but it's there's something about it that's less exciting than the seven before it. And to be completely honest, one word that would describe why I go to Maiden is excitement because they are mm. an exciting band um, or have been quite often. So, yeah, n- number eight, seventh son of a seventh. So okay, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, my number seven. Uh, we're gonna wrap up the Diano albums with Killers. All right, at number seven. Uh, so this is the last album with Paul Diano uh, mm-hmm. before you know his firing due to erratic behavior. You know, 
So it's, it's the same as the Chuck Mosey situation. You, you do two albums with a nut job, and then you kick them out and get an insane it, vocal range, dude. It, it's funny <laughs> that you bring Faith No More up, because I feel like they both had the same thing going on, where I think both of these bands, songwriting-wise, were going in an area where they needed a more dynamic vocalist. So Faith No More got a more dynamic vocalist, and Iron Maiden absolutely got a more dynamic vocalist, and it kind of yeah. worked out. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I, I mean, I feel this. I honestly feel similar about Chuck Mosley, Faith No More, where I find myself going to the Diano and the Mosley albums more often than anything else, hmm. because there's an energy to it that like nothing else has. Like it's a very yeah, yeah. those those albums are very unique in how they're played and put together, and then the vocalists on top of them. So um, yeah, I mean, I love I love how Paul Diano is on these albums, but I think these albums are perfect for him, and uh, Number of the Beast would not have been perfect for him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's, those songs were were calling for someone who could do that wicked. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with that, you know, the Ides of March is already a major step up in production. Feels fuller, especially the drum sound. You yeah. know, any th- any thinness from the previous album is gone. Like everything has has balls to it. You know. The guitars, the bass, all round sonically a major improvement. Mm-hmm. Um Rathchild, absolute Nuobum goodness. Just I'd never quite noticed the insane jump in production quality as much until listening to the first album and this back to back. Yeah. Like I I came away from the first one thinking damn that was raw and then when you hit this one it's like oh okay (laughs) okay here we go um murders in the room org maiden truly come into their own on this album and another life love those guitar minis um there it is there's the guitar minis which you know maiden have used throughout (laughs) their entire career but yeah, uh, Genghis Khan, Steve Harris is the man. His bass playing, instantly recognizable. Yeah. Um, and Papa Roach definitely stole the last resort riff from the uh, one on his solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't blame him. It's a good riff. Um, yeah, join join ex- us for the Iron Maiden ranking where we mentioned Papa Roach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, much like the song, this is the last time I'll be oh. mentioning them on this episode. Um, but yeah, Innocent Exile, awesome stuff. Killers, ass-kicking title track. Prodigal Son, it's a ballady song. Purgatory is awesome. Drifter, is killer lead guitar in this closer. The solos are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Major step up in quality considering it's only a year later, if that. Yeah, um, that's that's something to keep that to to, uh, to mention too. Is that their first like six albums or something, or seven albums are all one year apart from each other? Pretty much. Like it's yeah, it's insane, insane the amount of like. I mean, it had to have been stressful as hell. But at the same time, you're in a rock band, so how stressful can it be? But still, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, on on an, on another hand, I mean, they had like a five year head start. I mean, they like formed in seventy five, didn't they? But like yeah. 
Sure, in five years, you can rack up a hell of a set of demos, but, I mean, still, to come out with... that, There's some, like, consecutive year-by-year album runs in history that are just fucking insane. Black yeah. Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen. You look at all these bands, and you think, Jesus Christ, these guys were... I mean, they were... There were hits were falling out of their ass. Like, yeah. Well, there's some there's something to be said about sometimes being motivated and moved and 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 for lack of a better term, like some people say, rushed. Sometimes mm. great shit comes out of that. And yeah. pe- sometimes people will take that. Like you know, we talk about ba- albums from bands like Testament and Anthrax, where people will say, "Oh, oh, the, the clearly that album was rushed," and I'm like. Are you saying that because you know it was rushed or you actually hear that? Because a lot of times they're really good albums, especially for how quickly they were done. And sometimes that adds this urgency to the music that I think is great. I think I wish that there was more money being thrown around with music today. So there would be much more motivation to like put out more shit that because like because like really it's like. All right, I'm putting out an album a year. This one album right here, that's eh, not quite as good. All right, next year we got another one. It's like, and then people will come back to that one that you put out. Just like, oh, it's kind of a weak album. Ah, but it's got some good shit on it. We're coming back to that one now. So it's yeah. like, and it, as fans, that's the best thing about being a music fan is when there's more shit for you, and you're just like, oh my god, really? There's another album already coming out. Like I, I, I would love it if that is how music happened because most of the time it's like. For our first album in seven years, and then it's like, th- this doesn't sound like a seven-year album. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not naming any names because I'm, I'm clearly not talking about Metallica because I love their album. But mm. but what 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 would a Metallica album done in a year sound like? Let's do it. Let's do it, guys. All right. I just want a new GTA, man. Like we've had two we've we've had we've had two Metallica albums since GTA five. That's bugging me. Didn't they or didn't I saw a post about isn't it they're they're doing it now or making it or about to release it's it? It's in development. There was leaked footage, but like oh, okay. it's it's like early footage plus like that's gonna set them back now because they're gonna be like, Oh well shit, now we've got to do some damage control because people know too much. And if they get a hold of the source code, they can just rebuild the game themselves. Fucking wild world we live in. I remember they, when it was... A, why don't they yeah. just do what everybody wants them to do and make the new GTA an entire 70s exploitation porno crime thing? And Please. <laughs> I, I want that. You know? Nothing would please me more. That's the only... I think that's the only decade, like... That they they never got around to parodying back in back in the golden age. I mean, there's a lot of, of great music for that, and you can make yeah. things super dirty and gritty and get away mm. with shit that you wouldn't normally get away with because it was the 70s. Um, yeah. I don't know. It seems like it would be seems like it'd be fun, but that's just I don't. I'm not a, a gamer at all. I, I completely stopped playing GTA once we did those episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to get around to Vice City at some point, man, because that's sure. gonna be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, back back on track with Maiden. Maiden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, cool. You've done your seven. No, I didn't. I'm on my. Did you? You? Where are we? I've done my seven. Sorry, you're about to do your seven. You d- you're done. That was Killers. Was your number seven? That, right. That was in fact Killers. So my number seven is No Prayer for the Dying from 1990. There we go. And um and. 
it's funny that you that this is right after talking about killers because no prayer for the dying always to me seemed like the Bruce Dickinson era album that I feel similarly to how I feel about killers Mm. because it's the most, there's not, there's not like a grand theme to it. And it's just like, for the most part, just a bunch of killer metal and rock songs, which is like, you know, I, the the debut and killers were more just like that. It's just this almost a meat and potatoes version of Iron Maiden. Yeah. No prayer for the dying is the meat and potatoes Iron Maiden album with Bruce Dickinson singing. Yes. And yeah. That's why I really like it because there's a rawness to it. There, it really does seem like no fucks given just writing some fucking tunes. You know, does this need to be seven minutes? No, it does not. Um, um, does, does this chorus need a little hooky part in it? Yes, it fucking does. And it's yeah. not playing by anybody else's fucking rules because Maiden fans didn't want this album. In 1990, this album, the sound of this album wasn't popular. So I just... I listen to all that and I listen to the songs and song after song. I'm just like, God, this fucking rules. This is really mm-hmm. good. I, obviously, it's number seven. I think they did way better stuff than this. But this particular album has an energy to it and a uniqueness to it. And it's fucking fun. Like it's one. It is fun. It's one of the few Maiden albums that I would attach the label fun to. And I also like Bruce's voice on this because it's very, it's like raspy. And I, I love yeah. that. I, I, I just love that this album is such a unique album and such an entertaining album and fun album. And on top of that, people shit all over it. So that is a combination that makes me like even more excited about this album because I'm just like, wow, this is a really great album. And people hate it. This this one's mine then. And mm. um, I love it. I it's, I it's a go-to for me. I just think it's so... I think Iron Maiden fans are they they want to overthink things too much, and No Prayer for the Dying is not an overthinking kind of album. It's a yeah, um, it's meat and potatoes, like you say. It it's is, very straightforward. It's 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 as close as they got to a um, beer drinking music album. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, <laughs> and I love it because I love some good beer drinking music, and I love you know obviously like. You know, we we talk about all kinds of different music, and I think maybe the combination of shit that I grew up with and that I love might inform why I like No Prayer so much, because I did grow up doing, you know, Van Halen, Cinderella, uh, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, but then got into Thrash, and, and, and No Prayer just, like, there's nothing in it that makes me go, this is bad. There's nothing about this album that makes me think it's bad. Um, even I've heard even people say the production isn't good, and I'm like, well, it's not great, but it's not definitely not bad, and I think it fits the songs perfectly. Yeah. The whole package also, of this album. I, I was going to say I'd also take it over any production job, you know, on a Maiden album in the 2000s. I I absolutely you know? agree. So this you is know? another one of those things where I just think that this album is. It's just been assigned this label of, of, if, of, hey, if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, you're supposed to not like No Prayer for the Dying. And 
to me, it just makes me sound like you're a, a puppet with a hand up your ass being like, no prayers last because it's shit, right? And <laughs> once again, those of you who are, uh, who are uh, lifers when it comes to uh, music in general, if you don't like No Prayer for the Dying, great. But you're probably one of those people that just shuts up about it and goes, well, I'm glad you like it. I don't like it. And that's how the world yeah. should be. Um, but yeah, No Prayer is a great album. There's no fucking denying it for me anyway. And but but they did six albums that to me are pretty goddamn good. And so, yeah, even though I love No Prayer, it's ended up at number seven. Right on. OK, so this is going to be the uh, placement that could raise some torches and pitchforks for me. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm have ready. everybody brace, bracing myself. Number six, okay. stairway to heaven. No. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to preface this by saying as well, I think for the most part during the eighties, Maiden had a totally upward trajectory. Yeah. Like they got better and better and better with each ensuing release for the most part. Therefore. My number six is Number of the Beast. Oh, okay. I, I, um, you know what? I don't think that that's as hot of a take as you think, because but yeah, it's, it's the one with like the two big Maiden songs, barring the Trooper, on it. You know, and it's like people are always like, you know, Run to the Hills, Number of the Beast. Yeah, you know, and and Hallow, Hallowed Be Thy Name is on it, which makes it a fantastic record by default. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is the first album with a uh, Bruce and the last album with Clive Burr on drums. Uh-huh. So this is a little. I think the coolest thing about this album is the unique lineup. You know, yeah. this is the only album featuring this lineup. Um, the, obviously, like I say, it's got two mega hits. Three, if you count no. Uh, Hallowed be thy name. Yeah, I almost said no. No prayer for the dying. It's <laughs> not a massive <laughs> hit, uh, but yeah, Invaders is a energetic opener. You know, even if the chorus is kind of lovably goofy, you know, oh, I Invaders. Yeah, it's it's, but it's one of those that's like, Maiden do this thing sometimes that I. It's like menacingly happy sounding. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like these guys are like really cheery that they're gonna kick my ass. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like they're thrilled. They're thrilled about it. <laughs> Go get him! Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Children of the Damned, yeah. epic song, fucking awesome. I love that. But oh, it's fantastic stuff. The Prisoner. That chorus is amazing. Yep. 22 Acacia Avenue is a great song. Um, and I love the fact that Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills is a one-two punch on the album. Like, that is And those are both classic. on side B. Yeah, which is nuts. Like, like how strong <laughs> is your album that those two songs are on the second side of the album? Mm. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> name a more iconic duo i'll wait you know <laughs> yeah. uh, um now i know gangland kind of like people tend to point to it as the weak track of the album i like it it's a no. fun deep cut no you know i love that yeah. i love that song yeah it's uh, hallowed be thy name is an incredible closer um 
And one time I went to, you know, a, a witchy kind of crystal pendant shop with my girlfriend and uh, they had a little like pan drum, like a sp- like the space drum looking thing. And I found out that it had the exact scale that Hallow Be Their Name was in. And I was just sat there with the little beater going, boom, 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 And she said, you having fun over there? And I'm like... I waiting in my cold cell. She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, the, and like the, um, the, the clerk at the counter is just fucking loving it. Just there like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, but man, you know, again, I would never use the term overrated on this by any means so much as I think that they went on to do stronger stuff following it. But this is the beginning of the holy shit, this is good era of Iron Maiden Yeah, for me. Um, so yeah, my number six is... Yeah, I've just realized... 666. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That, 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 that works, works out. out. Jinx. Yeah. Um, yeah, make, makes makes up for the old uh, se- <laughs> no, number eight seventh son debacle. So yeah, so, <laughs> sorry about that. I should I should, I should, okay. take, I should take my numbering more seriously. I mean, you got uh, closer than I did. <laughs> so, my number six is not the number of the beast. It is the number of the killers from nineteen eighty one. So here's where the 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 my ranking is interesting. Because um, I would consider Killers my favorite out of the two Paul Diano albums. But I have to admit that the songs overall are better on the debut. So I put Killers at number six. But Killers, mm. for some reason, and I think it's two parts. One you touched on is the production. It sounds really good. But there's yeah. a... There's some kind of vibe to this album that I really enjoy. And I think the vibe is very similar to why I love Ride the Lightning and albums like that. Because it's it's got second album vibe where the songs may not be quite as strong, but there's a confidence and a, a momentum that I kind of feel when I put on Killers that just... Yeah is very exciting. It feels like an exciting album from an exciting time from an exciting band that's literally just... Like, you can feel it. I just feel it when I put it on. And, yeah, yeah, and I love... I'm not like, you know, I don't... I didn't listen... I haven't listened to a lot of Paul Diano post-Maiden. I mean, there's a couple, like... There's the Battlezone songs that I know. But, um... His voice along with these songs and the way and the vibe of all of this, I just I love it because and I love it when you see footage of them playing with Paul Diano because it was such an odd pairing, but seemed to work in a way that I don't think anybody expected because he did seem like a dude that maybe should have been in a punk band. Yeah, but he was in Maiden. And even as his, much as Steve Harris would hate to admit, <laughs> yeah, but his, even his even his vibe though the the rest of the band are very just like we're X Men, 
and he's very just like yeah singing some songs he's like but he's yeah. got like a very like sort of halfway between punk and lounge singer kind of vibe going on and yeah. i just love the fact that like that that juxtaposition when you put it together all of a sudden isn't one anymore it's almost like two jagged pieces of a puzzle that just so happened to fit together at that particular time. But yeah. then obviously over time that those puzzle pieces started changing shape and then they didn't fit anymore. But at that particular time, the, that snapshot of these first two albums and especially killers for me, I just love it. I love the combination of all the stuff, exciting album. And, um, I never get tired of it. It's a great, it's a all, it's an all around cool vibe for me. So, um, Killers ends up at number six. Very nice. Okay, so we, we've reached the halfway point of our of our top nine. So we're kicking off the top five now. All right. And my number five is peace of mind. Same here. We matched up. Number five, peace hey! of mind. Hey, nice yep. little matchup. Yep. Well, let's 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 just dive right on in. So this is the and we're, uh, we're coming at this from two different angles because you put peace of mind above number of the beast. Peace of mind is below. Although I'm not going to tell you what number number of the beast is, but okay. we're coming at it from two different angles here. But both at number five. Isn't that weird? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird, Garth? <laughs> that was a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this is the first album of Nico McBrain on drums. Um, you know, who is still the band's drummer to this day. Yep. And he's a, and he's a fucking legend, too. Quite you ever character. hear about that? Yeah. You ever heard about that time that you played uh, a live show and there was a pool? Like yeah. nearby, near the stage, and mm-hmm. like during that, during that like midsection of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, he swam an entire lap of the pool and came back and played the rest of the set. Oh yeah, that's incredible. I feel I like I feel like, like for some, for some for some venues in some parts of the world, there should just be a pool there for like whenever there's a break, you just jump in the pool and jump out because you know, imagine how refreshing that would be in the middle of a show. Oh, absolutely, especially in a you know hot country. But I mean. Yeah, this is great. Like this, where Eagles Dare. I mean, what a way to introduce your new drummer. Like, yeah, I don't know if there's a more iconic maiden drum fill. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't think of one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, because it kicks the album off, and it's like, oof. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, Revelations, love this one. Great slower tune, um, and a good showcase of why I absolutely adore what I've dubbed the Iron Maiden chord progression. And I've, you know, used it in songwriting many times. You cannot go wrong. I think it's the like one six seven one chord. I don't know how that shit works, but <laughs> li- it's just da da. Da da, da da, da da, all of eighties metal right there. Throw in some <laughs> blues licks. There we go. There is your career. Boom. You don't need to do anything else. Maybe do some F sharp shit every now and again. That's it. Boom. You're golden. Um, Throwing some weedly weedlies and there you know you're all yeah. you're all good. Couple couple dives. You know, 
You got you got to got to like you got to pepper it with some seasoning. And then when you know maybe one or two in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you can't you can't have like the without the And then and then but. when you go into the solo somebody's got to go guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is excellent. This is excellent <laughs> stuff. Top tier content. <laughs> load, load that into your AI yeah. machine or whatever, and then yeah. it spit out a song. <laughs> and it just comes out as Bon Jovi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, Flight of Icarus. I, I always loved the video to this because it's got a really like funny freeze frame on Bruce going, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like the face he pulls is like <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a great song um die with your boots on fantastic stuff if you're gonna die mate uh this is here here we go i, ha- I have a i have a story of this album so i remember exactly what i was doing when i heard this album for the first time uh and i was mowing the lawn it was a sunny day, uh, and when this song kicked in, holy shit, I was on God mode, just mm. absolutely mowing the fucking lawn. Mowing the lawn is a great time to listen to music. Like, there's just something about that specific set of circumstances that just creates a tangible feeling yeah. when you're listening to kick-ass tunes so it's it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because i have i have one of those moments too where this was several years ago and i'm mowing my backyard and i have my headphones on and the song push push by cinderella comes on yeah and i just remember being like i was like the whole rest of the yard getting done <laughs> yeah it just and in fact it's called push push i'm like i'm fucking pushing and it's like i need a little Push, push. Yeah, that was a, that was one of those moments where I'm like, man, everything's everything's perfect right now. Like, if only all of life could be just like that. Mowing the lawn to Cinderella. <laughs> that's, that's what heaven looks like, people. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, the trooper goes without saying. Like, this is in a catalog of songs you could call the song. To me, this feels like Maiden's song of songs. Oh, I would I put I would put Trooper. If somebody said, "I don't know Iron Maiden, play me a song," the Trooper would be the first one I would play. Yeah, like above like anything else. Yeah, because it's kind of a perfect encapsulation of of everything about them. You know, yeah, it's it's got, and I feel like it's got an edge to it that um, Run to the Hills and Number of the Beast don't have. That yeah. those two are a little bit more upbeat and well, you know jolly, whereas this one's a bit more high stakes. Well, I think for lack of a better sort of way to put it, if you're, I'm thinking about from an outsider coming into Iron Maiden. So you've got Number of the Beast, which is a very popular song, but then it's not quite that catchy. But also there's that there's the whole goofy Satan part of that song. Yeah. Yeah. And then Run to the Hills is a really great song, but if you're new to Maiden, that it's a little bit goofy. Run to yeah. the it's goofy at first. The yeah. Trooper, to me, there's nothing goofy about that song. It is absolutely not. balls out just like like so Stone I think, Cold classic. So I really think that it's the perfect sort of like entryway to Maiden. And then then you'd be like, oh, they also do um, Run to the Hills. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like that's. 
That's that's the way in. But that's just me. You've got me thinking now. I, I want to see like I want to see like the top five most streamed Maiden songs. Real Run quick. the Hills is number oh. one. I'm sure. Uh, you'd be surprised. It's the Trooper. Oh, okay. I thought the you were trooper, saying this. You'd be surprised. It's bring your daughter to the slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's weekend warrior. <laughs> Let's do that, everybody. Everybody, um, everybody yeah. in the world. Go on your streaming now and all stream Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter and let's make that the number one streamed Iron Maiden song. <laughs> if we've ever accomplished anything with this podcast, it's going to be that, okay? Yeah. <laughs> if you love, as, uh, love us at all. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is a really interesting top 10 streamed songs, by the way. Do you want, to, do you want me to run through it real sure, quick? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so number 10 is Flight of Icarus. Okay. Number nine is Wasting Love. Oh, I like Num- that one. Num- yeah. Number eight is Ace is High. Okay. Number seven is Two Minutes to Midnight. Okay. Um, six is um, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Mm-hmm. Five is Wasted Years. I mean, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a fantastic. Uh, number of the Beast is four. Three is Fear of the Dark, two is Run to the Hills, and one is The Trooper. Interesting. But, like, do you know what I find interesting? Like, and that's all, but that's on oh, Spotify, right? Yeah, that's on or Spotify. As, I mean, or can, as they say over there, Spotify. Spotify. The, the letter T doesn't exist. Hey, mom, get, get <laughs> Spotify on. The only T we care about is the one you drink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, right. Where where were we? The, the trooper. Yes. The trooper. Um, yeah. Still life. So good. So good. I, they named a beer after it. Yes. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> but uh, still life. Now, I get kind of a proto Queensrÿche vibe on this song. Like, I, yeah, I can see that. Like. I, there's several Maiden songs w- that you can hear and think, oh, Queensryche oh, would do yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like, they they were very, you know, this type of metal-influenced. Um, Quest for Fire might be a little goofy, but it's still 80s Maiden, and mm-hmm. that means it rules by default. Yeah. Uh, Sun and Steel, galloping badass 80s Maiden track. Also, also a beer. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and to tame a land is an epic closer. Honestly, it's it's a great eighties eighties ma- It's a great eighties Maiden album. Said. Yeah, that's real hard to say. Great eighties Maiden album. Um, <laughs> just made me think. Do you ever hear? Do you ever see that like Susan Boyle thing? You, you ever heard, you ever heard about her? The she she, she, she did she, a, she sang a song she did wasn't good looking so everyone was surprised that she could sing and then turns out she's yeah. a bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> well like in when, a nutshell when, <laughs> on, I remember was it she had like a hashtag trending on Twitter that uh, was meant to say uh, Su- Susan album party but it just said Sue's anal bum party <laughs> and it's. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that, but that is so good. Have you not heard that? Oh, it's that incredible. is so good. My, that's, that's like uh, un- unnecessary well, or unfortunate <laughs> hashtags is so fucking great. It's like that thing. That, <laughs> 
that like I, I've seen this several times that there are people like who who are therapists and they will do they will do hashtag therapist <laughs> and I'm like it says the rapist <laughs> like just don't do hashtag therapist because it doesn't because it says the rapist uh, uh, just be careful incredible. with those everybody yeah. <laughs> Susan <laughs> uh, she, should, she should have just ran with it and called the album that Sue's bum party Anal bum party You, you can't forget the anal part The anal What other bum In case it. you were confused about which bum we're talking about It's the anal Not bum Not the front bum <laughs> It is not. It's not the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what podcast is this? Oh, okay. this this has to be like a top five ranked, ranked moment of all time. And, and, and we owe it all to to whatever uh, her name is, Susan, Susan Boyle. Boyle. <laughs> Thanks, Susan Boyle. We hardly knew ye. People that knew ye say ye oh. suck. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> so, peace of mind um, is also my number yeah. five. <laughs> <laughs> your your turn. More like peace of ass. It's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> um, pizza, uh, pizza mind. Um, <laughs> pizza so, mind. So I, I I really like this album a lot, and I've said this on other videos that I did that my only gripe about peace of mind is that. You talked about the Iron Maiden trajectory, and I feel that you're right, but I feel like Number of the Beast goes like this, and then Peace of Mind goes a little bit like this, and then Power Slave starts going up again. So they didn't yeah. go they didn't go down with Peace of Mind, but I've always but they doubled down. Well, I've always yeah. I've always felt like Peace of Mind is a transitional album because if you listen to the big leap they made from Killers to Number of the Beast. And then Agreed. the leap from Peace of Mind to Power Slave. Like, so I always feel like Peace of Mind is the album that had to happen in order for Power Slave to happen. Once again, this is what I'm talking about, how you do an album a year. And Peace of Mind, to somebody like me, I go, well, not as good as Number, not as good as Power Slave, but it's fucking Peace of Mind. And the Trooper came out of it. So that's why I'm yeah. like, sometimes doing albums quickly, it, it ends up like, like, if they had taken a year off, would Power Slave have been as good? Like, does the hard work that goes into <clears throat> to powering through and making a peace of mind, does that make Power Slave a better album? Who knows? All I know is that um, it's in between what I think are two fantastic albums, and this one is just slightly less fantastic. So, um, so I, yeah, I put it here. I don't know. There's not much more to, you keep smiling. Are you still thinking about Sue's anal bum party in your head? I moved on to the front bum line. <laughs> front bum. <laughs> Is there a band called that? Because I think we should start one and it's going I'm to pretty be sure that I'm pretty sure there's a band called the Front Bottoms. Oh, so, yeah, but that's lame. That doesn't sound as good. Yeah, yeah. Front bum. No, that. Front bum. <laughs> but Front um, bum. But the but I, I have a feeling that the front bottoms is not a grindcore band like I would like them to be. 
Oh so, yeah, yeah. Because I, because I, there's, there's a certain people I've heard talk about being into the front bottoms, and those are people who are usually not into very good music. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just my uh, opinion. I don't know them. I don't know them. But uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. I just front front and bottom <clears throat> sounds like a band that would, you know, I don't know why that that name. It just makes me feel like. They would do, you know, what's the band that did My Pal Foot Foot? <laughs> <laughs> Who did that? What was that girl group that did Foot uh, Foot? Uh, f- uh, the, the Shags? The Shags. Or is it? Yeah. My Pal My Foot. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. In case, uh, in case uh, you guys don't know, go look up The Shags My Pal Foot Foot and thank me later. Okay. So far on this on this podcast, arguably the great one of the greatest runs in eighties metal, we've managed to bring up. We've managed to bring up Papa Roach, Susan Boyle, and the Shags. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Crankton Rank. No, that's that's no. Uh, no. I'm just imagining now like a festival lineup and Maiden are headlining it, but it's got like everybody we've mentioned <laughs> in this <laughs> as the support act. What a, oh, That's, just watch yeah. chaos ensue. Yeah. Oh. And then in the very end, they all play a song together. That would be really great, oh, too. Oh, Christ. <laughs> all right. So anyway, oh. but the, I don't know how we got in the... Well, the, yeah, I guess the front bottoms would unfortunately have to play, too. They'll go first. They'll play like when the sun's still bright in the sky. Um, Next up, front bum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Four, number four. Number four. My number four <clears throat> is one of my, probably my hottest take in this whole thing. My number four is Fear of the Dark. Nice. I have this one I'm, very high. I'm all about the love for Fear of the Dark. Let's do it. And it is the last one with Bruce for about eight years. <laughs> Old head froze there for a sec. He's he's holding up a bottle. I hope that free you're frozen. Uh, <laughs> dear Lord, he is he's frozen. He's, he's gone all cryogenic on me. <laughs> okay. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't know if you can see me. We're gonna have to. Re- we'll Uh-oh. have to reconnect or something. I don't know. Hold on a second. So the it'll be funny in the video because on my end it's literally you going. Um, so this is the last album with. <laughs> and, that, and so all of a sudden you. <laughs> it's, it's funny because on my end I've got me going. Okay, old head has frozen. He's gone all cryogenic on me. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought you'd cut out for a minute, and then I saw that there were no Wi-Fi bars in the top right. Come, come to find that. So anyway, someone next door <laughs> unplugged the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Hopefully that didn't totally kill our momentum, but at least it was oh, a good. No, no. You, on, on my end, I laughed at it a lot because I it, it, it just the freeze was just so funny. But uh, we're back. And uh, we we were on <laughs> Fear of the Dark by uh, Iron Maiden, the band we're talking about. <laughs> um, yes. So that was your, that's your number four, Fear of the Dark. Let's do it. My, my number four is Fear of the Dark, and uh, it's the last one with Bruce for about eight years uh, until his comeback, at, you know, 
following the Blaze Bailey era wrapping up. Uh-huh. Um, this, to me, uh, as a shameless fan of all things 80s rock, mm-hmm. this has a lot of that on it, you know? Yeah. For, an, al- for yeah. an album that released in 1992, this is a very 80s-sounding album. Um, yeah. And, you know, you could say that about a lot of albums that came out in 1992. You know, look at Adrenalize by Def Leppard. But, I mean, dude, Be Quick or Be Dead, fantastic opening track, absolutely face-ripping stuff from Maiden. Um, uh-huh. And Bruce is at his most venomous and evil-sounding during this era. You know, he's, he's got this real rasp to him that he's, that he's harnessed. Um, yeah. From Here to Eternity is a fun, upbeat, rocking song. I love that one. To- yeah, Afraid to Shoot Strangers is this like big sprawling track. Fear is, Fear is the Key is great. Childhood's End, Me Likey. Uh, Wasting Love, Maiden does a ballad, you know, and not just a ballad-ish song like they had done in the past, like a full-blown... But it it never like, comes across as a ballad to me. No? Like, it, it just seems like a slower song. I guess, like, I in the... Know, con- I don't know in, why. For, for me, I guess in the context of Maiden, it's it's like probably the closest I can think of to them, like approaching the power ballady sort of thing. But yeah. um, you know, you get the Fugitive is really cool. Chains of Misery. Now, this here like is a prime example of why I like this album so much. Dokken meets Queensrÿche done by Maiden. Count yeah. me, and I cannot stress enough the hell in. Um, the apparition. Those who are longtime viewers of the show know that I can't resist the sound of a cavernous drum sound, uh, and that's a big help to this album. This could yeah. be my favorite sounding Maiden album, um, or at least one of them. Uh, the apparition. I've already done that one. Judas be my guide. Shamelessly awesome eighties metal song. This is like. If I was to go about writing a song for Iron Maiden, this is exactly how it would sound. Um, Weekend Warrior. Now, I don't care about footy and, you know, my pal Foot Foot. Uh, and I could take it or leave this. <laughs> I could take it or leave this clunky one. But Fear of the Dark, even though this album divides opinion a little bit, Pretty much everyone agrees that the title track is a fantastic song. Yeah. I love how this album sounds. I love the vibes, uh, the varying vibes of all the songs with that 80s rock sheen to it. Makes yeah. sense. 1992 is goated when it comes to music. Um, 92 is a top tier year. Uh, that's why, you know, that's why they had this. That's why Rockstar had the savvy to set GTA San Andreas in. 1992 and that's a large largely responsible for my um biases when it comes to music it was a good year it was yeah yeah i wasn't even there and i can tell Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but you know like i say fear of the dark i i feel like this is the most underappreciated of the maiden albums um because i like no prayer for the dying but i love fear of the dark um so with that that's my number four and then we get we get to the get to the golden trilogy 
All right. Well, uh, we 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 will. Well, I mean, uh, my golden trilogy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the number uh, my number four is the 1980 debut album Iron Maiden. Wow. And cool. I uh, I love this album, and I, I I love the Paul Diano albums. When I was ranking them, though, just this was. There's another album in my ranking that it's I have the same feeling about where I was just going through and every song I'm like oh yeah fuck this is a fucking banger this is also a banger and there's so many moments on this album that just feel so groundbreaking to me and mm-hmm. maybe in certain ways they're not necessarily that I don't know this is is one of those debut albums that just always sounds like something fresh, like I'm discovering something new that other people don't know about. It has that kind of vibe to it, and I love it. Plus, the songs are great. The energy is great. I like the production because I think it suits the music very well. But, um, yeah, the, when, oh, really, this one, you know, when I was comparing it to Killers, this one, I think, song for song, had better songs mm. but yeah it's hard to fuck with with the first two maiden albums for me because i just think they they're just so much fun to listen to and so such a such a sort of raw take on what iron maiden would become and i like that i like hearing the raw beginnings of bands that would end up becoming fucking huge you know it's like but but Maybe I like them because of that, you know, like if if Kill Em All was the only album that Metallica ever made, which some people would be very happy with. But um, <laughs> would I like it or do I like it because I love all these other albums they did? And then that's just a fun sort of like, hey, remember when they started and how raw and and uh, aggressive they were at this point? And yeah. so I think that's the same thing with Iron Maiden is that I just love the album so much, but I don't know, you know, it's not going to go at number one because I don't know if it's, if I would feel the same about it, if it wasn't me hearing this sort of raw version of Iron Maiden. So, but absolute fucking classic to me, put it on banger after banger, Iron Maiden, number four. Um, so our top threes, uh, two of them are the same. One of them is, is different. Mm. So this will be an interesting top three. Hell yeah. Well. So, my number three is Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Okay. And, I mean, this is kind of like, I don't know, it's it's like the last of the era that people don't really pick fault with. This is like the album that stands at, you were either starting to get off the wagon a little bit if you were like into them in the early days and followed them through it's uh, just general consensus uh mm-hmm. you were either like oh i'm not sure or you were all in and then you were let down by no prayer for the dying or whatever but yeah you know c- coming at this from my standpoint and having listened through all of these maiden albums i just got to thinking this shit's epic like holy holy shit balls like they took everything great about you know what had led to this and then gave it an extra layer of like epic you know uh moon child 
could be my favorite intro to any Maiden album. Like that thing. I mean, wow. Infinite Dreams is great. Can I Play With Madness? I saw the video for this all the time. Got Graham Chapman from Monty Python in it. Rest in peace. Yeah, like it's... It's one of those like videos I always saw. It was always on, um, it was always on Kerrang and and or Scuzz. Um, the that evil song, that 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 song has a special place in my heart. I may have mentioned this before in an episode because my my daughter really liked it when she was younger, and she would always say, "Can we listen to Can I Play with Magnets?" And so um, it's it's always <laughs> can I play with magnets? And so it's always, it's, always, it's always how I sing it now. Can I play with magnets? It's um, yeah. That's so that's, that's cute. Uh, so I you know it, I already really like the song. It's fun, but yeah, it's got that extra extra little memory along that's with it. Yeah. See, see, that's that's the kind of Mister Rogers turn this show can take sometimes. You know. Oh. Yeah, it's not all about front bums. <laughs> so it's not, about, not all about anal bum parties. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, you, you get stuff like The Evil That Men Do is great. It's a great yep. track, great chorus melody. Prophecy is really cool. The Clairvoyant, I fucking love this song. There's so many great melodies in it. Um, and I always love that like kind of superhero feeling you get when you hear that like yeah like all of those parts in that song I absolutely love and like it shifts in feel and vibe through throughout like there's so many different parts that I'm like wow great idea great idea and it all feels cohesive but it really takes you on a journey um yeah. and only the good die young i mean great closer all of these songs i fucking love and i love the overall vibe of this album and i love that you know just to tie it in with the artwork that they got really really weird with it you know after because like they they kind of you know eddie up right all the way through until power slave was like just this like zombie dude you know this like evil monster um and then all of a sudden they made him you know a pharaoh and then a cyborg and then whatever the hell is going on (laughs) like on this album but you know i i just love that the artwork reflects that that you know the, the the grandeur continues to build um throughout their catalog um and yeah i just always loved this album i love the vibe of it and for me there's a there's a balance right that this like late 80s era late 80s early 90s era of mix nailed is that they got crispness they got fullness but they didn't over compress anything like it sounds great when you crank it up but it's got space Mm -hmm. you know Whereas, like, some stuff, I mean, I'll, you know, I will say stuff like corn benefits from having that, like, low end pushed right up front. So, like, the subwoofers are fucking going, right? Yeah. But, but stuff like this, I mean, this is a problem I had with, like, later Maiden, you know, 
2000s onward was that the production was always just a little bit selling the grandeur of the music a bit short in my in, to my ears um, yeah so that's why i love seventh son of a seventh son just because it's so over the top <laughs> yeah yeah no i i mean it's yeah it that the, all of these albums barring fear of the dark for me um they jumped around they jump around so much for me just because like you know like me putting seven son as low as i did but you can't deny the fuck how great of an album it is absolutely um and it's just that that's the only that's the tough part about doing a discography like this because you get to a certain point where it's just classics battling it out and it's like mm-hmm. it's just a big pool of awesome really and um it, it is it, is it my turn now number three it is absolutely your turn this pool of awesome is getting to so this is my number three but this might be my favorite maiden album but it's I really taking a step back and looking at everything, I go, yeah, I can't put this at number one because I, I appreciate things they did on the other two, but somewhere in time is, uh, my number three from 1986. I'm pleased Um, to see it this high. I really like this album a lot and it's probably outside of the, uh, Paul Diano albums. This is the one that I find myself throwing on the most and I get the most out of it the more I listen to it mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, to me, it's just the, it's the, what you were saying kind of with, with seventh son, it's a, to me, it's a step up from power slave where I feel like the, the, the sound is kind of progressing, but with somewhere in time, I feel like it's a progression in scope and a progression in songwriting to where you have some, you know, some epic style songs or some songs that have a little more, um, a little more places that they go, but then you have like a wasted years, Mm. which is just an amazing song just as it is. And I always appreciated that about this album, that it does, it does have a, a bigger vibe to it. But at the same time, I really feel like they were in, they were in the pocket when it came to like making songs into what they were like taking the riffs and the choruses and all of these things and then putting them together in whatever this package, whether it's a four minute package or a six minute package or whatever, I really feel like was somewhere in time, like they, they nailed it um, with all of the things they were trying to do. And I just, I really, really like this album. I like the production. I like the performances. I like the artwork. Like, it's one of those that, like, every aspect of it, I just really, really like. And it's, yeah, this one and this one and, and number two for sure kind of started switching places for me. But, yeah, as much as I love this album, there's a weight to the my top two with not only the quality, but also just the making legendary shit kind of aspect Fair. Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, that pushed somewhere in time to number three, but I do, I love somewhere in time. So that's my number three. It's great. And, uh, you might not have it as your number one, but, uh, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. Well, my number two is the legendary Power Slave. 
Also, my number two matched wow. up with uh, with our power slaves. Power slave is it's fucking power slave, dude. Like it's, there yeah, are it's killer. there are just in you know in anything ever, I guess. But in heavy metal, there are just some like mic drop album titles that you can just go power slave. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, like, this is a stone-cold classic. It's all killer, no filler whatsoever, you know? Yeah. Ace's, Ace's high is just ride into battle, or fly in this case, do or die, kill the enemy metal, you know? It's mm-hmm. just absolutely gets you riled right the hell up in the best of ways. Uh, two minutes to midnight. My first introductory Maiden song, thanks to both Guitar oh. Hero 5 and GTA Vice City. So you get a double whammy. You get the yeah. double whammy. Um, Lost for Words, or Big Aura, uh, is a cool instrumental. And this mm. is a prime example of an instrumental track because there's so many interesting parts in it that you yeah. you don't really notice it's an instrumental you know it 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 tells you lost for words there's no words you know yeah but yeah like on the heel of like the one two punch of aces high and two minutes to midnight you're hit with this and you're like oh these guys can these guys can not only play but really compose stuff um yeah. flash of the blade always love the riff in this song um mm-hmm. the duelists is a great song back in the village just another one just it's one of my favorites yeah but then power slave the title track you mean to tell me they made a metal song with an egyptian aesthetic you son of a bitch i am in yeah yeah because yeah. like there's just something about that kind of phrygian um it, you know mode of like not all only those... does it sound, sa- not only does that song sound like the album cover to me, it also yeah. sounds like the beginning of a fucking epic ass movie. Like yeah. you know, the next Indiana Jones movie starts off with the song "Power Slave." It just sounds like, it just sounds like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I love it. Um, and then finally, you close out with "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," uh, which is an epic song approaching the 15 minute mark um Mm -hmm. it's incredible it's not only one of the greatest 80s metal albums it is one of the greatest albums ever um you know saying that there's a lot of greatest albums but this is one of them i'm gonna open the curtains real quick you 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 stole them Okay, everybody, he's going to open the curtains, and that's not a euphemism for any kind of sexual thing. I'm not opening my At least front I don't bump. think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty minds think alike, ladies and gentlemen. And um, yeah. So, all right, he's back. So we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do my take on Power Slave, which is very similar to what Eddie had to say. Um, absolutely classic album, and I love the fact. That this is one too that like if somebody puts this as number one, I would have no arguments whatsoever because I really, they really stepped it up in so many ways with this album. Yeah, and I'm always very impressed by it, um, and I think that's why, that's why I said what I said about 
peace of mind because like just where they went with Power Slave and the, it's like everything I said about Somewhere in Time where it's they 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 took a step forward but at the same time they're just they got so good at just writing their songs that even uh, even with like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner like it doesn't feel like a very long song to me nah. it's uh it, it's just really well done shit and they just were like at that at th- that early 80s i just feel like maiden they were just so at the top of their game for like you know whatever song ideas they they had they just knew how to like how to mold them into these fucking incredible songs and yeah. and, and and there are some you know, legendary metal bands from the eighties that I listen to and I go, well, I get why this is important to metal, but the songs just aren't there. Mm. And then there's, there's other bands that, you know, maybe write some good songs, but they just kind of did the same shit over and over again. Whereas Maiden, I, the reason why I think that that they deserve so much respect, especially for their eighties material is that they did, do both of those things. They did progress their sound, make music that inspired countless musicians and metal bands after them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they had good songs. They were all really well done songs. And Power Slave is uh, is just filled with that while also making a grander statement with their music. And I just still very impressive today. Um, but if you're talking about crafting amazing fucking songs that I, that there was, I had, there's no other number one for me. So we'll start with your number one and then we'll, uh, we'll start talking about a couple of albums from, uh, from the (laughs) eighties. You know how I said, uh, fear of the dark at four was, uh, my hottest take. I take that back. Somewhere in time, number one. <laughs> yeah. I have, no, I have no problem with it. I, I, I love that album. For, for me, this is my personal favorite Iron Maiden album. The introduction of synths on top of where they went with Power Slave gives them a super over-the-top 80s vibe. I know some people categorize the... Um, categorize? Criticize the album for sounding a little thin on the guitar front but i think the synths have create a really cool atmosphere as opposed to hitting you with a full frontal hitting your front bump uh, <laughs> and, 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 and maybe i'm remembering this wrong but isn't it that on somewhere in time they're actually synth guitar pedals and then on yeah. seven sun it's actual synths something like that i just something remember like that it. Yeah. That there was a slow transition into synths by first making them a little bit more organic. Yeah. Um, but then just fully leaning into the synths. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much all over that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, again, like I say, longtime listeners of, of this show know that I am a shameless lover of all things 80s keyboard heavy. Um, mm. So kicking it off caught somewhere in time you know i know i mentioned moonchild nah this is this is my favorite album opener in the maiden catalog just those guitar minis in the opening just what a way to kick things off Mm -hmm. and and the rest of the song as well is just incredible 
Um, everybody's firing on all cylinders. And then you get Wasted Years, which is one of their greatest songs ever. Um, yeah. Sea of Madness is just wild, proggy riffage going on. Like, it's really uh -huh. aggressive, but really grand in scope. Um, Heaven Can Wait, soaring track, great, yeah. you know, Heaven Can Wait. Like, yeah. all of those... It just sounds so massive, you know, like everything yeah. about it, it, it. Sure, it's not like it's not like drug drug, but it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's expansive. Um, yeah. Heaven can wait. Uh, I've mentioned that loneliness of the long distance runner. I always really loved this one. I always thought it was really underrated, especially yeah. the guitar solo when it like shifts into a major key. I love when they do that like because mm -hmm. it's like a mood shift it's like yeah like real triumphant yeah. rocky four montage levels of hell yeah <laughs> uh, uh and then oh man you get stranger in a strange land this is pure unbridled groove just and to this point to this point in their catalog in actual fact i'm gonna go hands down this is probably the most groove iron maiden had in a song mm -hmm. like there's just something about stranger in a strange land that just has a swagger to it yeah. um yeah it's deja vu every song on this album i absolutely adore this one included and alexander the great i mean closing with an epic it's maiden they gotta do it um this album is my personal favorite as it just really sticks out in its shameless eightiesness, the yeah. same could be the same could be said for Seventh Son, but I feel like they were just on fire on the on the tail end of the Power Slave thing. So they were like, "Well, let's we, we we've proved ourselves. You know, we're five albums in. We're gonna make number six the biggest thing yet, and they did. Yeah." Yeah, so uh, that is my number one. Um, I finally confessed to the listeners after almost four years of doing this that Somewhere in Time <laughs> is my favorite well, Maiden album. Well, I, th I think that, that I'm going to be um, um, slapped with being very run-of-the-mill with my number one, but I have a lot of reasons for this. Um, Can't I, say I blame I you. Put, I put Number of the Beast from 1982 at number one, and... There's a lot of reasons for this. And I honestly, I think the only reason why some people wouldn't put this really high up is just because you've heard songs off of it so much. But I'll, it's no fault. Say, it's no it's yeah. no fault of the album that the songs have been played a lot. Hmm. If you can remove that, like imagine a imagine a scenario where you were able to wipe something from your memory and experience it again. Number of the beast is fucking fantastic it is yeah. and and one of my favorite things about it is it still retains a little bit of the rawness from what they were doing with the first two records but then you get bruce dickinson on top sounding hungry as fuck like dude yeah. was ready brought his a game to album number one with maiden and i just like the i think i'd like the the energy of the of early maiden so much. And this is, and maybe, I don't know. 
I, he's a great drummer, but maybe Nico is took a little bit of that away from them because he's a great drummer in a very different way. Yeah, he's not a he's not an aggressive drummer. Um, no, there there is a there's a distinct difference between like Clive Bear, yeah, and Nico. Um, and so and so yeah. I think with Number of the Beast, it's just that energy with Bruce and these fucking legendary songs. Yeah. On the it's like the the thriller of Iron Maiden. And mm-hmm. um or or you know whatever, whatever Dark Side of the Moon, whatever album you want to pull out. And those albums are all legendary albums for a reason because they're they're that good. And so looking at it from that perspective, I'm like, well yeah, Number of the Beast has to be number 1 just because it was a really big step forward for them. But at the same time, like, you know, they weren't doing the popular thing. Like, you know, sure, there was, you know, certain types of metal were 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 kind of popular, but what they were doing was kind of their own take on it. And the fact that they just nailed it, and at the same time, fans everywhere were ecstatic about what they were doing it's just one of those things where i think like every part of the recipe just worked out so perfectly and i think that's probably why i enjoy songs um like invaders so much because i don't hear those as much but they have that energy and that vibe and that drive and motivation and just sounds like a band that's on fire not only in their performances, but also just in the fucking songwriting. And so, um, while there, while, while I can look at aspects of power slave somewhere in time and look at those and go, well, they improved on things there. I can see the improvements. I can see the steps forward and I appreciate those. There's a point where you, I feel like everything comes together in this way that is just so perfect that, not only is it an amazing album, but it becomes an overplayed album because it's one of those yeah. things. Like that's the go-to for a lot of people. Um, but like I said, Trooper would be my go-to for somebody who's new to Maiden. But really, I wouldn't. If they love Trooper, I'd be like, okay, now I'll go back and listen to Number of the Beast all the way th- all the way through. And mm-hmm. then you know that would be the the second thing I would do. So yeah, I just think overall, when it comes to an album. And all of those things, all of those ingredients, I think Number of the Beast just fucking nails it. And I have to, it has to be number one. And yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like Master of Puppets. It's like, is that my favorite Metallica album? No, but I listen to it and go, fuck. Okay. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's like, I have no valid critique at all. But, you know, it's, it's like that Top Gear meme where it's like, this is great, but I like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that, that, it's not a very exciting number one, but I, it, sometimes we do these and I just go, yeah, the obvious choice is obvious for a lot of reasons for me. And so, yeah, that's, nice. uh, that, uh, that concludes, that concludes, uh, uh, what are, what are they called? Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> we, I feel like we've been a lot of places today on this episode of Cranked and Ranked. But one thing, it, I thought it, we were doing always, the front bums. 
<laughs> one thing remains the same when we finish ranking a discography we always celebrate it by doing this three two one yeah, yeah we did it it's been a while i know it feels like it's yeah. been such a long time since we did that <laughs> um all right well that 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 concludes the iron maiden crankton rank that's that it took us four years to get here or whatever yeah um, Pretty but, much, uh, and and I don't know what what's another band as big as this that we haven't done yet. Zeppelin, ACDC maybe or Zeppelin yeah. or Motorhead. Um, uh, there's there's act- actually now that I come to think of it, we're never going to run out of material. <laughs> so we have to space out the biggies because yeah. you know there's there's a lot to do, but there's only so many Led Zeppelins in the world. Um, and we'll the get Beatles to Biggie eventually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Biggie as well. Um, but uh, but yeah. So th- um, for those of you, if you're still here, um, and if and if you're new to this and you're just watching this because it's Iron Maiden and you lasted this long, you are what we refer to as a peanut butter platypus. Um, that doesn't. It's just a random phrase that did I come up with that or did you? I don't even remember how that started. No, it was it was you because like oh. what is it? We, we were saying one of those things like uh, you know. If you got this far, this far, you know, comment a duck emoji in the comments. Or we just decided, oh. if you got this far, type peanut butter platypus. That, <laughs> that's what you said. Yeah, and so and that's and that's why if you go buy a crank and rank mug like this on the other side, it says peanut butter platypus because that um, that basically means that you stuck with us. Actually, and, uh, that that was a major typo at the uh, processing plant. It was meant to say <laughs> "my pal front bum." <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag therapist. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, so thank you to the peanut butter platypuses and the and the the elite PVPs that are like always here. We love you guys. And yes. we'll be back next week with another sort of fun one. Not not another ranking, but we all we do have rankings coming up. Um, but we try to keep things fresh and kind of do a little different things here and there. But yes, we'll be we back do. next week with more fun. And uh, do you have any parting words before we get the fuck out of here? Uh, hmm. I hear some dog barking. That's my. I think that's Melvin, my dog Melvin, my my buddy. Um, Melvin, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's very loud. He's nice. one of those dogs. He runs outside and just starts barking at everything. He doesn't even hear anything. He just loves being out there and barking at everything. I've heard so. like a full full blown soundscape from you th- th- this evening. I've, I've heard <laughs> I've heard dogs. I've heard train horns. Uh, oh yeah, well, yeah. The tra- there's a train track right down the street. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> That's Sweet. awesome. I mean, that's 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 where I live in the middle of the see, fucking city. See, look, we're, we're, our budget's going up. We have sound design now. <laughs> I mean, there, there might. I mean, if, if you would have talked to me a few years ago, there would have been some gunshots. I think there might have been gunshots during early episodes. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Not right on my street, but surrounding. There used to be a lot of uh, a lot of you know them kind of noises going around, but not Damn. so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Do you remember that? Which episode was it? Was either you. I, these couldn't be like two more different episodes, but it was either the Cinderella episode or the uh, Pearl, one of the Pearl Jam ones, where it was just lashing down with rain, and it was so oh. 
so heavy that my microphone was picking it up from outside and I had the window open. I just, I, we, yeah, kept, I don't, we kept it because it was so relaxing. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what that was, but yeah, I remember that. That was, that was yeah. crazy. Um, just some of the many things that you've missed and you can go back and listen to on the hundreds of episodes. We've, we've done a lot, over a hundred. Yeah. And real um, quick, real quick, before anybody, before anybody asks us if we've done a band, there's a little thing called a search bar. So if you type in <laughs> Cranked and Ranked and the Desired Band, there's potential that we've covered them. We've been doing this since, what, like June 2020 now? June like, 2020. Like early, like just post early lockdown era. Of so we're, li- we're literally, so we're getting, we're, we're into year four. So we've been doing this three years. Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah um, season four. And <laughs> all right. Your your mic's getting farty, and so we're going to uh, use that as the cue to get the fuck out of here. So utilize that in your in your exit today, because I think it will be good. But as okay. usual, I throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. Woe to you, Bye, everyone. Front bone.